Hello and welcome. I'm Jordan Rich, and this is On Mike with Jordan Rich. The times we live in are, to put it mildly, challenging. Stress is at an all-time high. But there are people ready to offer relief, help, and understanding. So on today's podcast, I've invited Dr. Lisa Van Susteren and Stacy Colino, co-authors of a new book to join me. The book is called Emotional Inflammation. Discover your triggers and reclaim your equilibrium during anxious times. Dr. Van Susteren is a forensic psychiatrist in private practice in Washington, D.C. Stacy Colino is a health, wellness, and science writer. Her work has been read in many publications, including U.S. News and World Report. Let's define emotional inflammation, and let's do what the authors suggest. Reclaim our equilibrium. As we invite Stacy and Lisa to join us on mic. Well, ladies, it's delightful to meet you both. I really enjoyed the book, and I was drawn to the word inflammation because I've done a lot of study in terms of the body and health, and inflammation seems to be the watchword. But uh, we'll start with you, Lisa. Uh, In terms of that title, why is that word so important in this context? Well, if I was to do a little study, I would say that the most frequently asked question is just that. So it's fun to see that you are right already on track. (laughs) Everyone wonders about this. And I think Stacey and I always think that it seems for us, I think that we're probably people who are uh, sensitive to issues like emotional inflammation. I won't speak, I guess, for you, Stacey, but uh, I probably am on safe ground. Uh, Emotional inflammation, if you think about what physical inflammation is, just adjust your sights a little bit and you can see that emotional inflammation is a lot like physical inflammation in that our feelings are inflamed, they're swollen, they hurt, uh, they impede us from taking the action that we would normally take more naturally. So it's uh, really very much a counterpart to what we envision when we think of inflammation in a joint or inflammation in some other part of our bodies. It makes so much more sense to me, and I'm sure it's been that way for many readers so far, because we can put our vision in place and see the inflammation on a graph even. I mean, we can identify with that term, because a lot of this stuff is kind of ethereal to some people. You find the same thing? I agree. The other thing I was going to add to what Lisa said is that even though inflammation has the same qualities physiologically, it can feel different to different people. Sometimes if you sprain your ankle and it gets swollen, it can ache, it can itch, it can get red and angry looking. You know, there are all these different qualities and the parallel is true with uh, emotional inflammation. You might feel angry or nervous or withdrawn or sad, low energy, or even revved up. And so I agree that it, it all um, comes together in terms of the qualities, but also um, I think when you start to think about it that way, as Lisa said, as a parallel to physical inflammation, it really is, initially it seems counterintuitive, um, this notion of emotional inflammation, but when you think of it as an emotional corollary to what's happening physically, it makes a lot of sense. Because people feel revved up or agitated or just uncomfortable and so on going to toss out the word serendipity because here we are in the midst of the most (laughs) angst-inspiring moment in most people's memories ever. I imagine, Lisa, you started this project well before the pandemic because these things take a lot of time and effort. Jordan, uh, the pandemic, of course, is gasoline on the fire. 
The emotional inflammation that uh, Stacy and I are referring to is a condition really that I have been seeing rising over the last several years. And I'm going to be straightforward. It has uh, taken a huge surge among my patients uh, since the uh, since 2016. And the feeling that we are unmoored, that there is no, the center cannot hold, that the ground beneath us is shaking, that institutions we relied on, customs that we were familiar with. And that's within the last several years. But before that, increasingly, and I'm not a Luddite, I, I appreciate technology, I know what it can do for us, but it has been alienating for many of us. And it has pushed us further and further away from each other. And so many of the symptoms that I'm now seeing of people feeling as if, uh, in addition to what has been brought in the last several years, that they have no sense of a core. They feel alienated by their jobs, by relationships that aren't as close as they would want them to be. And then you, as I say, add fuel to the fire with a pandemic, and you have a, a perfect storm. And unfortunately, you know, the pandemic isn't the end of the story. And I don't want to and won't end on a sour note because there's lots that we can hope for. But we're, uh, to, to say that we're in a dark place uh, is not uh, overstating. Your book offers a lot of hope and a very practical program. We'll call you both to comment on the acronym RESTORE. We'll get to that. But let's talk about what we're, we're dealing with. We're dealing with recognizing what's going on, which is the biggest issue, isn't it? That people don't, they ignore the symptoms and cover them with perhaps drink or other things, and they can get out of control. So Stacy, why don't you pick up on recognizing, knowing your body, knowing your, your feelings, why that's so critical? As we say in the book, you need to name it and frame it in order to tame it. You need to be self-aware enough to know what you're experiencing in order to do something about it, because there isn't a one-size-fits-all solution for these feelings. What works for one person is going to be different from what works for another, and also what works for one particular form of emotional inflammation or set of triggers is going to be different than what works for others. So you really need to know what you're dealing with. Just as with physical conditions, you're not gonna treat a headache the same way you're going to treat indigestion. You need to know what you're dealing with. So that's the first step. Um, and in the book, we guide people to recognize how they're feeling and not just say, I'm feeling stressed. That's not enough. You need to drill down deeper and really identify, well, what is that stressed feeling? What lies next to feeling stressed per se? Mm -hmm. Are you feeling anxious? Are you feeling frustrated? Are you feeling demoralized? What is the nugget, the essence? And then when you understand that, you can drill deeper and look at, well, what's causing this? What is triggering this feeling right now? And how does it tie to other triggers I experience? And once you have all this self-knowledge, you can begin to take action to make yourself feel better. And in some cases, even sidestep triggers in the future. Isn't it true that a lot of people who are miserable dealing with their emotional baggage are also quite afraid of identifying it and 
facing it? I know I speak for a lot of people, including myself at one point in my life. Oh, first of all, to answer your last question first, yes, of course we're afraid. It feels sometimes a little bit like walking into a burning building. And one of the things that I often say to my patients when I see them is, we'll go through this together. We'll go in and we'll get out together. And they feel more confident that they're not going to be doing this alone because it is very scary. I often have people leave just building a little bit on this, my office after the first session, and they'll say, gee, I feel a lot better. And I will laugh and I'll say, well, that's the point. And so there's a lot that we can do to address how people feel about confronting who they are. And it's timed. You don't uh, go to the deepest, darkest, most painful memories and thoughts uh, first, uh, it's a gradual process. So yes, in this book does, we hope, uh, take people by the hand to have them understand. Mm -hmm. So uh, with uh, respect to what I think uh, what Stacy said, which is really so apt and always so well said, is that in addition, when people have a diagnosis, even though they don't like to hear that they've got a diagnosis. If they've been struggling and suffering with something for a long time, that they can now name it. Uh, and as Stacy said, and tame it means that they realize it's not just all in their heads. Other people have it too. And that sense of being uh, with others, of not being alone is a huge relief. One other aspect that I really um, like about uh, our having named reactor types is that you can, when you see yourself more clearly, it is so much easier to understand that other people have different styles and that the friction that you sometimes feel between yourself and other people may not be a fundamental uh, difference in terms of your values, but simply the way that you're coping with stress. And when you understand that people have different styles and that you do too, you are able to get along not only better with yourself, but with other people. And the tolerance that the world needs now for each other uh, cannot be overestimated. I'd love to pick up on the reactor types because that was one of my favorite chapters to understand that we all have reactions. Sometimes they blend and sometimes they carry over one to the other, but there are delineable types of reactions. Lisa, why don't we start with you and then we'll move back to Stacy. Give me the first two. We'll have you guys split them. Well, we uh, have the first two as anxious uh, and revved up. And uh, if you want to stay in tune with the frequently asked questions, Jordan, you've got to pretty soon at least uh, uh, ask us uh, what reactor types we are. But I'll defer that. Anyway, I anxious always, I, and I revved always, up. I'll be patient and wait for that. Uh, that's that's my killer <laughs> question. My Mike Wallace. No, 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 just kidding. So let, so those are the first two. Stacy, what are the next two? The next two are um, the angry or molten style of reactor. And then the last one is what we call a retreating reactor, which is really somebody who is kind of withdrawing from other people and situations and sort of turning inward to protect him or herself. So what's the benefit, and, and I know you'll explain this cogently for me, but what's the benefit of knowing what kind of reactor you are or what kind of blend of reactors you are, Lisa? 
it's a critical to understanding oneself. It underscores that we all have styles and it adds additional impetus to understand how we may fit or not fit with other people. And it drives our compassion for others, and if not compassion, our tolerance. Uh, it also helps us to see what our vulnerabilities are. It can promote, by understanding our vulnerabilities, the corrections that we can take to offset those vulnerabilities and even use those vulnerabilities as an advantage. So let's say you're a revved up reactor as parenthetically, and I won't spill the beans, but if you're a revved <laughs> up reactor and you're doing more than you can possibly handle and stuff is falling to the ground with a splat and people are mad at you that you're doing that. And uh, you keep thinking, well, I got so much to do. Of course this is happening. But if you understand how disappointing it is to others and why you're doing it, then you can use that same gusto to push the needle to get people activated, but do it with a great, much greater sense of pace so that everybody can benefit, not just you in, in reducing your stress, but you can elevate those who might be more apathetic or standing on the sidelines. So it enables you to use your reactor type wisely. I have a little note that I pinned to my desk here or taped to my desk. It's called the ABC exercise. And you may be very familiar with this, Dr. Van Susteren. A is for acknowledging a situation. B, breathing, which means stop, don't open your mouth yet. And C, curiosity. I see you're smiling. Okay. You know, I've, I've, I've been down the hole a few times with some therapy that is very helpful. But I think one of the things that I got out of the book was, hey, folks, before you jump in with both feet, breathe, just take a breath, just relax and let the body settle. Stacy, would you like to address what I just mentioned and how your book relates to what I said? First, I'd like to go back and add to what Lisa was saying and then I'll jump onto that question. Okay. I think the other value in recognizing how you're reacting to something or what's happening to you in terms of your emotional inflammation flaring up is people often experience changes in emotion without realizing why. So if you start to become aware of a flare up of anxiety or you start feeling agitated and revved up, like I've got to do something, I've got to do more. And you hit the pause button as you suggested and sort of rewind the tape and think, okay, what just happened to lead me here? That actually um, has two effects. One, it, is, it helps you identify your triggers, which is always useful. And two, it helps you notice patterns in your style of reactivity, which then helps take you to your next question, which is, how do I deal with this? You pause, you take a moment to regroup, re. Um, refocus on yourself, breathe, and then analyze what you're feeling, why you're feeling it, and what you can do about it, both mm -hmm. for yourself and for people around you. And so it's kind of a step-by-step -step process that helps with both self-awareness, self-regulation, and action to improve your coping capacity and style. Lisa, part of your title is forensics. You're a forensic psychiatrist. And I get the feeling that so much of this is 
turning a little Sherlock Holmes in on yourself and investigating yourself and looking for answers and looking for clues. So you wanted to say something, and I'd love you to address the investigatory part of this. That's kind of exciting, actually, but go ahead. You might be romanticizing a little bit what a forensic psychiatrist does. Any psychiatrist is a detective. You gotta be. You mm. gotta unearth stuff that people, as Stacy was saying, so much of what we do, we feel, we think is unconscious. So it's any psychiatrist or mental health professional's job to help that unconscious material become conscious, because that's where we can deal with it. The forensic work uh, that I do is the interface, really, between psychiatry and the law. So it isn't substantially different in terms of its investigative work. Sure, I look at documents and I try to parse things and do some psychological profiling. But those are things that I do in my regular practice. It's just that in the forensic work, these are the legal documents that I either produce or I'm in court. So that's the difference. Rather than the privacy of my office and my own personal notes and thoughts, gotcha. these, uh, my work has become, is public when it's mm -hmm. in the legal form. Put it in romantic terms, we're all on this mission to self-discover with the help of professionals, kind mentors, and with the help of books like Emotional Inflammation. Let me add one thing, uh, Jordan. Uh, first of all, well, two things. One is that in terms of the reactors, if the audience would think about this for a second, you can see how a revved up reactor who wants to do, 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 and is overwhelming with all these ideas, etc. Suppose that revved up reactor is dealing with someone who's a retreating reactor. That person needs to recharge by having a little bit of quiet time, a space alone, uh, time to think, uh, to weigh, to balance, etc. And the revved up reactor is there banging on the door saying, hey, uh, what, what are you doing in there? How come, what's going on? Why won't you talk to me? Da -da. So you can see if you understand the differences from uh, in the way that you cope with stress, you can see how important it is to recognize, ah, I get it. And so each can talk to the other much more meaningfully and successfully. We said at the outset that these are strange times, and this book is written for today, for these times, which are anxious times. So let me talk about the, the positives and research that points to a lot of help for people out there. There is hope. There is help quite a bit. And it's second half of the book, which is the acronym RESTORE. Maybe you should just run through what each of those letters means and just read the title chapters. Won't go into detail in each one, but I'd like to pick up on a few. Stacy, what are we talking about with RESTORE? We've already addressed the R part of it a little bit, which is about recognizing your feelings knowing how you're feeling, what it feels like physically, emotionally, and so on, basically naming it. The E is about evaluating your triggers, what brought you to this feeling, mm -hmm. why you're feeling the way you are, and to notice patterns along those lines. The S is about steadying your body's natural rhythms. And Lisa alluded to that early in the conversation when she mentioned that we're all using technology more, and what that means is we're staying up later, we're resetting our body's circadian rhythms with bright light and electronic devices late at night. We're basically wreaking havoc on what's supposed to be happening inside us. So steadying your body's rhythms is very important. The T is about thinking yourself into a safe space. Your mind can be your best friend or your worst enemy 
when it comes to emotional inflammation. So that chapter is actually one of my personal favorites. The O is obey your body. Give your body what it needs in terms of anti-inflammatory foods, healthy exercise, stress management techniques, and so on. R is about reclaiming the gifts of nature, which include the power of awe and tuning into the sights, sounds, smells, and so on from nature, which have an enormously healing effect. Uh, the next E is about exercising your power, going from being a frustrated, vulnerable bystander to becoming what we call an upstander, who works to change current conditions and upstream conditions. And the effect that that has is it makes the world a better place, or hopefully it does. And in addition, it empowers you. It makes you feel less victimized and vulnerable and more capable, and that always feels better. Yeah, there's so many examples uh, in this current uh, situation we find ourselves in worldwide where people are volunteering even to do little things and sewing masks, whatever it might be, and that gives them a sense of purpose. Lisa? There's another important aspect to that, and uh, brain scans now have shown us what we've known for a long time, and that is that when we do activities as a group that are pro-social, in other words, that are valuable to uh, the world, the planet, people, animals, whatever it is, that it takes us from that narrow focus on ourselves, which can lead to rumination, and actually activates one side of the brain in one particular spot and can lead, if it's excessive, to a feeling of depression. And when we participate in activities that other people are engaged in that are meant to uh, 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 additionally help the health of those around us, which includes, as I say, the, the natural world generally, that it goes to the part of the brain that used to be called the spirituality or God center. It is an almost miraculous spot when activated because it. Uh, um, the reward centers in our brain are turned on, and those reward centers then, in addition, turn on some of our opioid receptors, which are painkillers. So the idea of, go, of engaging in actions that are pro-social, and that's not a very pretty term, but it's a, it's a term that uh, encompasses all of the activities we're talking about, enables us, at least for a moment, to forget ourselves and to be a part of something bigger. And that is the magic sauce when it comes to a feeling, as Stacy said, that precious, uh, an emotion that's called an aesthetic emotion, which is awe. Mm. And equilibrium is part of the title too, and it has to be because the body, the, we know the body, physical makeup of the body is all about homeostasis, it's all about balance. When everything's in balance, we feel great. And when things are out of balance, we don't. I have you know, personal experience uh, years back with uh, depression, anxiety, and I thought I was all by myself. And I was working on the radio at the time and had two faces, the face of the public and the face of the private. And it wasn't until I did exactly kind of what you guys are talking about, face my feelings and understand and slow down. I had to slow down because I was burning myself out. What a difference. And what I wanted to ask you was, once you recognize it, once you start dealing with some of the practical solutions. Is it, is it often people come out the other side feeling even better? 
personally feel better than I've ever felt about my life and my feelings and my emotional state. Each one of you can comment on that. Stacy. what's the outcome? I agree 100%. You absolutely can come out the other side feeling better than ever. You can also feel more capable than ever, more empowered and sure of yourself and sure of yourself in the sense that you can take care of yourself. You can strive to find meaning in life, to achieve your goals, to take care of yourself in mind, body, and spirit so that your emotional needs are taken care of. Um, and you can soothe yourself, you can energize yourself, you can basically choose the way you want to help yourself feel better, whatever that better might be. And Lisa, how would you address that same question? Well, let me start with uh, thanking you for your uh, honesty, your transparency, because I know as a psychiatrist that all of us suffer at times. And I wouldn't be a psychiatrist if I didn't understand depression and anxiety from a personal perspective, or I'd be really lousy. So what you do is you really help listeners recognize that there's help. And this is a huge uh, contribution to our future mental health, people talking about it. One of the benefits, I think, uh, and we can honor uh, the people who are lost and who have been suffering uh, in this current time, is that we can, in a sense, honor them by recognizing now perhaps that our mental health is a very precious thing and it has to be worked for sometimes and that indeed we can find solutions and feel better. So that's the first thing. And uh, as for a feeling better, I got to say, Stacy and I in writing this book just had a circus. It was the most joyful experience. We would pounce on some of this information and have so much fun just understanding ourselves, recognizing, taking the time to understand where we slot in to these particular places. It was just a a wonder. And I will also say that it's a very dense book, and I reread it. I reread it again and again because I hear things that we've said, but that don't necessarily register. So it's a lifelong process Mm. evolving to a place of equilibrium. Stacey? Two points. One is um, I want to build on what Lisa just said, which was that that writing this book actually helped both of us calm our own emotional inflammation. It was phenomenal. Mm terms of the effect. So that's incredibly valuable. One of the things that we really wanted to do with this book is Lisa noticed that both her patients and the people in her orbit socially and her community and so on were struggling. I noticed the same thing. People were walking around feeling unsettled or especially anxious or down about what was happening in the world and the prospects for the future and just basically the state of life. So one of the things we wanted to do with this book was basically normalize that experience. We're all feeling this way, and we call it emotional inflammation. And one of the things that I love that Lisa said early on is if you're not experiencing emotional inflammation, 
you're not paying attention. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you, you better pinch yourself to make sure you are indeed human and not an android at that point. I can't thank you enough, both of you, for uh, joining me at the same time. It's been delightful. Uh, I do have one uh, question that I'll wrap up with. I know I threatened to ask this question, but I need a quick answer. Lisa? Reactor type. Uh, revved up. And then if people don't listen, I do the re the withdrawing, retreating thing. <laughs> I think I'm a lot like you. Uh, Stacy. I'm the other two. I'm either the nervous, <laughs> anxious reactor or the slightly molten. I don't get angry, but I get outraged and indignant. Boy, you, you look like such a sweetheart. I can't believe that that's the case. But anyway, I love to flatter my guests. Ladies, thank you so much. The book is called Emotional Inflammation. It's available everywhere. Lisa Van Susteren and Stacy Colino. And uh, I wish you the best. We need this now. This is good timing. So thank you very, very much. Thank, thank you, you, Jordan. Many thanks once again to Lisa Van Susteren and Stacy Colino. The book, Emotional Inflammation, Discover Your Triggers and Reclaim Your Equilibrium During Anxious Times. A brand new publication, well worth reading. As always, I want to thank you for subscribing and downloading the podcast and, and spreading the good word about interesting conversation with creative people. Until next time, this is Jordan, as always, saying be well so you can do good. Take care. <laughs>